Hello and welcome to the Blitz Book Club podcast, where a community of bookworms will bring you our thoughts on all things books. My name is Cheryl Till, and in this episode, we will be discussing romance. To start, I would like to acknowledge the Vedical and Gadigal peoples of the Eora Nation and the Nunawal people whose land on which UNSW resides. I pay my respects to elders past, present, and emerging, and pay my respects to any Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander people listening along with us today. This is, was, and always will be Aboriginal land. Today we're chatting about the Wisteria Society of Lady Scoundrels by India Halton, and I am joined by Alexa. Hello. <laughs> so, um, what did you think about this book? I'm really interested to know what others kind of got from it because I'm not personally very big on romance anyway to begin with. But I thought this was quite interesting because the premise is kind of like a fantasy slash historical fiction mix, so it's not pure romance. Mm. Yeah. What I can say, of, I mean, I thought it was a brilliant concept, unfortunately executed as a romance, because I don't love romance novels either, um, but I think that it tried to force itself into a romance. Like, the concept was so interesting, you know, we've got these um, pirates in, you know, Victorian London with flying houses and all of these cool gadgets. Um, I just watched The Nevers by Joss Whedon, who's his new show. And it's the same sort of thing where they're like, you know, um, with special abilities in London and that sort of setting. And I really liked that. So I loved how this book used that. Um, and, you know, the polite society, but like scathing insults and like the assassination attempts. It was really fun. But then it became a romance and the whole thing was centered around Cecilia and his many named self um and it pulled out you know all the tropes like the one bed the um locked in a closet together the and a poorly executed enemies to lovers storyline so in the end I just thought that it was fun it had some funny quips and witty things and I loved all the author references in there um particularly loved the one about like oh she wanted to visit the graveyard in remembrance of Mary Shelley and it's like yeah because Mary Shelley like fucked a guy on her mom's um grave <laughs> so it was like the same thing so I love that um but yes to conclude I just mm, I'm not a fan of romance and I think that it would have been so much better if it had been a fantasy historical focus on Cecilia getting revenge whatever it was so yeah you agree yeah of that sort of thing I mean so I think that like romance can be well executed some things I did really like that were romance were things like YA kind of like Dash and Lily the three book series there yeah. it's very type kind of like PG type of romance but it's wholesome in the way that it centers around like healthy relationships and it makes sense and it doesn't pull out every trope that is so problematic and unrealistic yeah. which I absolutely hate that this book did and I was so disappointed mm. in that but beyond that it's not even the romance that annoys me the most I mean it was annoying I felt like it got in the way of the plot I agree with you mm. there and it is like you said good comedy like if it had been sold to me as comedy I probably would have enjoyed it but what really got to me because it's sold as this like romance historical fiction and I don't mm. think when I picked it up I wasn't aware that there were fantasy elements in it which is yeah. fine if it's well executed but it just threw off the whole thing because then there were a lot of unexplained anachronisms 
Mm. I love well-researched proper historical fiction and I love fantasy but I kind of want to know where the boundaries are and mm. in this world we have references to telephones and Robert Frost's poetry which is like way after Victorian England and I was yep. just thrown trying to orient myself because I didn't really know where when it was set at the beginning and even mm. the way she describes the closing is it's very confusing and um yeah I mean that really I don't know if you have I have a big thing about like historical fiction accuracy I don't know if everyone else has that but for me that was like the biggest thing I kept wanting to put it down I was like oh this is it's just annoying me like <laughs> so many fair enough <laughs> mm, I mean I'm not as picky I guess with historical fiction um I was willing to suspend my disbelief a little bit because as soon as I started it and I was like oh the house is flying oh it's an oh it's actually flying like I I thought that was just like a metaphor or something and then it was like no the house is flying and I was like oh okay so I I, I guess I read a lot of fantasy fiction I was willing to go oh that's fine suspension of disbelief like um yes the anachronisms were a little annoying um uh because it was like I don't really have a specific time frame that this is in we've got all of these like popular literary figures just kind of being chucked in there um I liked the references because I'm a nerd but I can definitely understand that it would be frustrating as like a historical reader to like have all of this where's the timeline like it's definitely um a bit disorienting but yeah I mean same thing if it had if I had been aware of it's comedy it's fantasy it's it doesn't have a specific um genre per se it's trying to be like five different genres and it even says it um at the end uh when she's like oh this is a romance couldn't it be a fantasy action adventure I was like that's a little too on the nose because you kind of made it like that the whole time then yeah so yes I agree and as for like um some of the tropes I think that there are a lot of books out there that do execute some of these tropes very well um like but specifically what irked me was the enemies to lovers one because so many people in the goodreads um review section were like this is the perfect enemies to lovers they're actually threatening each other blah 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 and I'm like no this is not enemies to lovers this is because what it got me is like then there's no threat the whole time like we know he's not going to shoot her you know we've got this like staged tussle between them it's not actually like there's no hate there's no resentment there's no actual tension behind it it's just them like flirting but like fighting flirting sort of so it was like um like enemies to lovers is like the cruel prince series like holly black where they literally established like they spend the whole first book establishing how much they hate each other and then how much he like kind of likes her but is like no I still hate you but I want you like that's the whole point like these violent delights oh such a good enemies to lovers plot line a uh, bit yeah. of a foreshadow but yes <laughs> I would agree. I think like it's definitely not enemies to lovers. It's very, very evident. The first time we have our two characters introduced, I think it's within the first couple paragraphs, maybe literally a couple pages. Like it is already evident. This is the love interest and you know exactly how it's going to play out. And there is no yep. enemy thing there at all. Like 
it's mm -mm. kind of you know i feel like maybe maybe if it was on screen like the way it's written seems like it's almost meant for the screen and if mm. it's on screen and you didn't have so much of this internal thought you yeah. might potentially be convinced and i did get some vibes that it was like trying to be you know like six of crows style you know yeah. with plots within plots and then you think mm. it's this but plot twist like it's connected to something else and it's trying to be that but it was so obvious and it wasn't like interesting at all in that mm. sense um even though like you said the magical realism is quite cool i did like the fact that you know with the flying houses and stuff it's basically implied that they're kind of like witches but they call themselves pirates and they have like yeah. pirate values so that was that was quite interesting concept um but yeah i don't know like i don't think the romance carried over very well even when you take into consideration the lack of orientation i just don't mm. think it's well executed or worthwhile and the thing that really got me about it was like the necessary inclusion of like a spicy romance scene like at the end right? yeah oh and it went for a chapter uh, i mean it was a whole chapter and i was like why do we need this we didn't need this I mean, I don't think it's ever really needed. That's another problem, mm -hmm. right? Like, it's never really very necessary. It's always kind of just, like, uncomfortably awkward, you know? It's not really what yeah. you want from a book, necessarily. Mm. Yeah, I didn't add any value. <laughs> it didn't make any sense with the main character because she spent the whole time being like no it's wrong and blah 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 and you know the whole restraint thing which which I kind of did enjoy but then at the end she was just like okay it's fine and I was like what no you spent the whole time like you know not doing that and everything and then at the end you're just gonna run away with him and have this raunchy scene in the middle of it with like no context after your father is you know it's just weird it was just an odd placement. <laughs> yeah, it kind of felt like it was setting up for the ending as well, and then it keeps going, which is just, yeah, it's just mm -hmm. But um, Belle has just joined us, so I'm interested to know what you think, Belle. What did you think of the book? Um, I agree, kind of what you guys are saying. It was a really strange book overall, I felt. Um, I kind of appreciated that it was trying to do something different. Like, it was trying to be a bit quirky. There are a lot of period romances out at the moment, so I did appreciate that, you know, the author was trying to kind of bring something new to the table. I'm just not sure if it really stuck. Um, I kind of liked the, I guess, piracy idea. Um, I don't know if you guys talked about this. Um, the flying houses. Um, yeah, they they took me out a little. <laughs> um, so I don't know. I think... The romance was pretty stock standard. Um, it, yeah, it was nothing new. Um, so I think I, f I felt like the author was trying to do something new, um, but ended up repeating a lot of the same kind of tropes that a lot of our authors do. So I don't know. It was, I, I could see the concept, um, but the uh, execution, not quite there for me. Yeah, no, I think that pretty much sums up what we were trying to say too. Although I will say like the execution 
in terms of the plot is not there. But one thing I did like that I thought was very effective was the way the character perspectives shifted while maintaining this consistent narrative voice that bridged everything together and this like a witty internal commentary that got drawn in a lot, which I thought was like quite a fun element because I haven't seen a lot of writing like this and I did think the writing style was enjoyable, even if the plot itself wasn't that great like I do like the way in which it was written. I agree to an extent. I think that definitely the switching of all of the, the dialogue, um, in particular, there's one scene where she um, she's like imagining, you know, him taking off her gloves or something in her head. And then it switches to his perspective and she says, damn. And it's like, and we just know what she's thinking about. So I, I really liked like some of those shifts. Um, but I also found it just specifically in the style of writing, maybe because it was historical and so it tried to adopt some of the like sentence and conventions of the time. It personally, not dragged, but it was um, slightly difficult to get into, like to consistently keep reading, um, especially because I like the expression um, like a poem, like the, the swan gilded like a poem or something. Um, but she used it like four times in the novel and I was like, mm you don't have to use the same sort of expression. So yeah, I definitely agree that some of the writing was a little bit, especially with the plot, um, was slightly formulaic, but it was still enjoyable. Um, and as I was saying, I mean, the comedy itself, I thought was very uh, funny. The, the repetition of uh, butchering Jacobson's name um, in particular was very funny for me. Yeah, I, I kind of agree that for me, the issue with the um, the writing style and the dated uh, writing style was that it was so anachronistic with the plot. Um, and I don't know if you guys have discussed this, sorry, listeners, um, but the uh, main villain and his motivations, his whole shtick is so ridiculous to me and it's so millennial um <laughs> early 2000s this idea of um you know uh the matriarchy versus the patriarchy and uh alternate societies and um it was it felt it felt very kind of contemporary and it was really forced um into this society I think a good example of a period romance that deals with these kinds of themes of sexism and uh, female suffrage and um, uh, this kind of like contextual uh, feminism is a series I think the first book's called Bringing Down the Duke um, and there's like four books and they kind of uh, the first one follows kind of like a blue stocking girl and um, she has to convince this duke to vote for their you know voting rights or whatever um like it's a pretty standard you know romance but it's an example of kind of like how to talk about these themes um in like how to talk about misogyny in a misogynistic society instead of it kind of pretending that it doesn't exist and it's only limited to one person and one person's views so I don't know what do you guys think about that element I mean one thing it definitely reminded me of 
I kind of felt like it was aiming to be and then didn't quite make it to and therefore drew in all this comedy to try and recover itself by like stretching for the outlander mark that has a lot of this like fantasy romance and then that has time travel which I feel like is a little bit kind of like this flying houses element you know that magical element to it um and it reminded me of that because of the way in which outlander has this thing that I dislike about how the woman go back in time and are all like yes I choose to live back 200 years in the past but refuse to accept any of these patriarchal standards like all good and well to try and change it a little bit but they are so feminist to the extent that if this was like a realistic setting they would probably be ousted or killed or something along those lines and you're just like this doesn't quite make sense it doesn't quite fit in like I see what you're trying to do I see that you're trying to represent like strong independent female character and like good values of like sticking up for yourself and stuff but it doesn't fit within the story world and that's all good and well to like talk about that in life and like you know if you're writing essays and making arguments or doing something contemporary it makes sense but it just really breaks up the historical element and I think like it maybe annoyed me more in Outlander than it did in this book, because in that one, they do have a lot of historical accuracy otherwise. But in this one, it did particularly, like Belle said, bring up a lot of these anachronisms, which, as I mentioned before, are very, very annoying to me as someone who like enjoys the well-researched details. So it's like hit and miss. I don't know. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. I think that I definitely agree with you, Belle. I thought the villain was ridiculous. Um, like, I think he was just like a, a even a parody of a villain. Like, he just didn't, I didn't feel threatened by him at all. Um, he just, even his like, um, his battlements were ridiculous and the whole vibe of it. Um, and definitely trying to contain like the patriarchy and his whole idea and plot to like restore men. But then the whole time it was like, but men are still, you know, at, in positions of power and, you know, the women are like, oh, it's the patriarchy. It's like, well, where, where is this plot born from then? Why is the villain's motivations what they are if the patriarchy still exists and men are still in positions of power? It doesn't make sense. So I think that that was, um, yeah, kind of poorly done. And what I didn't like particularly about the protagonist was that, um, you know, when she says it, she says it at one point, she's like, um, I tried to be tempestuous for him, but it wasn't working out. Like the idea that she preferred being, you know, in the polite society, in the conventions that were actually seen as quite, um, I guess, restraining, I guess you would interpret them as. Um, but she actually preferred doing that rather than, you know, being, um, what her father wanted it to be, which kind of backfired personally. Um, but yeah, I think that there is definitely um, a time and a place for uh, representing, um, you know, strong, powerful women in historical fiction. I think that it's important. But again, um, as you said, with Outlander, there is a certain point where you have to like consider the conventions of the time. This one, because there is that suspension of disbelief for the fantasy elements, I was happy to like, oh, okay, whatever, let it go. Um, but definitely in historical fiction, there's this fine line between um, how women were empowered in the time and how women are contemporary, like how we empower women contemporarily <laughs> that, you know, you have to consider when you're writing these characters. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting you bring up the fantasy element 
I'm a big fantasy reader. Um, I'm like currently reading like a 1000 page high fantasy book. So it's, um, it's always interesting to me, the urban fantasies like this um, and how they integrate uh, the, um, how they integrate the magic systems into the existing uh, social order. And this for me, just like, there was no explanation about like how these magical flying ships operated in a day-to-day basis. Like there was illusions and kind of like the idea that everyday people were a little disgruntled that they might have their house flattened or be flattened. Um, And I kind of found that a little bit amusing, Um, but then they were also adding in a lot of like political intrigue with the plot, with the male love interest and the queen. And so clearly there is some consideration. So they were like kind of like branching out into all of these spheres and then just not tying off any of those avenues at all and it really bothered me um but I think the most interesting thing to me um was this idea of uh how there were two different sets of feminine ideals and the feminine ideals for the wisteria society were very different to that of like even the feminist movement and the Wisteria Society ladies looked down on like blue stockings and uh, education for women, which I was really surprised about. Um, And it was kind of like, it didn't seem like it made a whole lot of sense, but I did appreciate like how I think the author was trying to kind of bring our attention to the fact that like values about what, what is ladylike and what is not are completely arbitrary and they're completely defined upon and based by the um, company and you keep and the society that you keep. So this idea of like learning how to shoot a gun was ladylike, but reading at Oxford was not ladylike. <laughs> so I, I don't know, what do you guys think? I definitely agree that it's kind of like confusing in a lot of ways. Like nothing seems to match up with our own contemporary experience or the time period it's trying to be set in. And it's got this whole new thing that it's aiming for. And at the same time, the characters themselves seem quite confused by it. And there's like a lot of different places where it's going, where it's not really making sense. I feel like that may potentially be a product of the fact that there is already a second book planned and it may be like, going in that direction but it really annoyed me as well like building off of that right the fact that you then have so 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 many characters who are not fully developed in my understanding of the reading like I felt like a lot of them were a little bit two-dimensional kind of just thrown in because we needed someone in the background and it would be better if they just weren't even mentioned at all because you kind of invest in you're like oh this is someone new this is going to be important and then it's not And then it's just like another thing that falls into the typical way things are supposed to play out. And you're like, what was the point of trying to challenge all these assumptions if you're going to go ahead and follow the typical, this brings me back to the like annoying typical romance plot again, but you know, being sold as a romance book, I thought that was a bit of a failure. If it's sold as a comedy, maybe like I would appreciate it better. I don't know, but yeah, it definitely, like the way in which the feminism plays into that makes it extra confusing and if you had like played it out as intentionally like like a whole comedy right like just sold it as a comedy novel then perhaps this like weird quirky kind of 
messed up idea of what is and isn't ladylike might fit in better. Yeah. Alexa, what did you think? Yeah, I mean, I, um, again, I agree that the whole host of side characters was slightly unnecessary. Um, there are a lot of women in the Wisteria Society that I had no idea who they were, um, you know, in terms of like who was actually developed. I think there were about three out of the eight or something that were developed. And one of them I just remembered because they had a pet tiger. Um, whereas the rest of them kind of just faded into the background. Um, so I was like, oh, what's the point? I like, I get that you're trying to create like a community, I suppose, of pirate women sort of thing um, that raised her, but, <laughs> but um, you know, it, it just didn't really work out because again, as you said, it wasn't really developed. And I just think the book probably wasn't long enough um, if she wanted to really develop all of these characters and have such a big host of characters, then spending the time actually developing who they are and who they were to um, the main character, Cecilia, because most of the plot centers around her, um, would have been more uh, interesting and probably would have furthered the actual idea of feminism and, and each character having their own values and everything would have been perhaps a more interesting avenue to develop, um, especially because, yeah, we have Miss Darlington who just basically says, yeah, I'm not sending you to school. Women uh, don't need to go to school. And it's like, and then they look down upon Jane who goes to school and it's like, um, and uh, Constantinopola who also went to school. And it's like, oh, why would we be against women going to school? Like that would be extremely progressive for the time. Um, it was just a strange uh, side note to have that women going to school was not, uh, I liked, but I, I actually did like some of the little quirky, um, yes, firing a gun is ladylike and, um, you know, having, learning how to kill someone with a teaspoon and everything being quite ladylike. I liked um, those little elements, but yeah, they were quite, um, I think some of it was uh, quirky for the sake of being quirky. Um, yeah, as, as we said, trying to establish itself as unique and interesting and just kind of throwing in all of these little details, um, which were funny, but ultimately didn't really add to the substance of the plot, um, just kind of added to substance of the comedy. So yes, if it had been marketed as a comedy, if I'd gone, gone into it knowing that it was funny and supposed to be witty and things like that, that I would have enjoyed it um, a lot more. But because it was, yeah, I thought it was romance. Well, it is technically a romance. Um, I just didn't think as in the, the romance plot kind of fell a little flat. Um, so the witty banter between the two main characters was quite fun, I think. But again, just didn't have like the, the weight. I didn't feel any tension or anything. As we said, you get introduced to the guy and you know immediately like, ah, oh, he's a rake. She's going to end up with him. Like there's no other people introduced, you know, exactly like where it's going to go. So it felt a little flat. I mean, yeah, there isn't even like a love triangle to confuse you a little bit there. Um, but on the note of school, you actually reminded me when you said Constantinopla was one who had education. They also mentioned that she went to a pirate school for ladies. And so I'm like, why is education not ladylike then? Nothing works even like within itself. There's not a lot of textual integrity, which is kind of confusing. But yeah, I mean, 
the comedy element, I suppose, is the winning feature here. Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's a little bit frustrating because I can see so many threads of this book that could have been taken in a different direction and it could have been a bit more successful project for me. But, um, you know, it's even some of the, the comedy, I think, was a little bit obvious. Um, and I think it was a little bit forced um, in certain instances. I'm trying to think of examples. Um, I did enjoy the banter between the two main characters. Um, but I think, I think overall it was kind of dampened to me by the kind of like shadow of the plot, <laughs> if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, like, I mean, yeah, as you said, there could have been with the pirate school, I think the main love interest was a the teacher there. Um, there could have been like some like jealousy triangle or anything like, I think as well, the introduction of Cecilia's like family trauma was pretty poorly handled um, because it was a really like serious thing <laughs> um, that her like spoilers that her father killed her mother right um, which is a really like difficult thing for a young person to go through um, but it was yeah handled really lightly and I appreciate it's comedy it's fine <laughs> but um, also it didn't serve the romance really at all um I felt like it was kind of used as a crutch to develop her character um and we could have seen more development in like seen it rather than being told it if that makes sense I don't know I feel like I'm rambling now <laughs> no I agree yeah I think that it definitely um because that's yeah that's a lot of um PTSD like you'd have lots of um trauma from seeing something so young um and I think that it would have been a lot more interesting if they'd um, actually integrated it into her character and, you know, why she's so ruthless or why does she push away the protagonist because she's afraid of people getting too close because she trusted her father, something like that um, would have been, again, like a show me, not tell me. Um, and it would have been a lot more interesting and probably developed her character a lot better because a lot of her character development was kind of stunted by the romance plot, I would say. Um, as well as that, again, it was used to like further connect her because his mother was also killed um, by that guy. So, and you know, her mother saved him. So it was like that sort of connection. But at the same time, it's like, well, yeah, but that happened as a child and she lost her parents as a child. Well, she didn't lose her dad, but technically she did, you know. Anyway, she ran away. Um, so it's not a very strong connection for me um that really would have like brought them closer together like they acted like it was going to bring them really close together but personally it didn't make its way to you know the forefront of my mind like oh yes they're together because they have same trauma it, it's a rough point at best um so I didn't love that um I also did find um, a line I took some screenshots of of some quotes that I was like oh my god um there was this one where like it's the she's got the hangover in the room 
and she's taken off her corset and she like throws up on the corset and like the little quotations was as a feminist statement this was ambiguous to say the least and I was like okay <laughs> I cringe unfortunately mm. very cringe, so cringe. <laughs> like it was just it, uh, I just didn't I was like oh seriously and also corsets were seen like I know that um we think of them as very like restraining devices and everything but corsets at the time weren't seen like that was just like normal garments like it wasn't seen as restraining and you know some of it okay yes the whole idea of like not being able to breathe um might seem difficult to us but they were able to breathe because they were used to it in the corset like that was just the way it like acted kind of like as a bra I believe so yeah anyway Cheryl you have some ideas. like I have a giant bone to pick every time corsets come up because this is like such a huge deal and I am like semi-obsessed with the history of corsets they didn't restrict breathing at all. They were just a supportive government and like people get annoyed about it. They're like, they couldn't do things, but no, it's actually like you just had different muscles that supported you. And it was actually used by a lot of people as like back support. A lot of working women wore them and they weren't always boned. Sometimes they were just reinforced like stays. And it really annoys me. Like tight lacing wasn't a popular thing, especially if you were not like a young unmarried teenager kind of, you know, like you might have a very, very tiny corset in that sense. But other than that, it wouldn't really happen. And that annoys me all the time. Like, sure, it would be uncomfortable, but like no more or less uncomfortable than an underwire bra. And probably like less actually, because it's actually a full body supportive garment. And that, yeah, that really, really annoys me. But okay, like tan tangent aside, back to the whole thing about family trauma. I think another thing, further spoilers alert, that really, really annoyed me here was the whole way they completely entirely glossed over the fact of this like big plot twist reveal where they were like, oh, and actually her aunt Darlington who took her in and raised her was her grandmother and was like the dad's mom, right? And it was like mentioned a couple times, like it came up again and again, but then she just keeps going, okay, Aunt Darlington, like, we're not going to discuss this. This isn't a big deal. We're going to go back to life as usual. And I'm going to pretend that this hasn't affected the way you've treated me my entire life. And like, you know, the way she kind of realizes as well as part of that, that she's not necessarily being given a seat at the table of the Wisteria Society senior members, or she's not really being included because their schedules turn out like her father isn't discussed either like this kind of you know presumably mental illness that has driven him is like assumed to be passed down to her but then they never address it again and it's really 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 annoying um at the same time although we've said like it could definitely be longer it could be drawn out I feel like the fact that it was a short book was a bit of a win because otherwise I don't think I would have got through it I think I would have put it down and never come back to it if I had to like rate this book, I'd say it's maybe like two stars and only because I sort of enjoyed the writing style. And it's the kind of book you would like maybe pick up on holiday at a library if like I was out of books, like my my whole collection of books burned down or something. Like I, I don't think it's something I'd be recommending to people anytime soon. So it's really interesting to me that it seems to be relatively popular, at least like on the internet. I know it's new and all, but yeah, I don't know. How do you guys feel? Would you ever recommend it to someone? Well, um, quick tangent on that one. Um, I hated the ultimatum at the end as well that they gave her because it was like, 
oh, we will, um, you know, that the thing that you've been working towards the entire novel, yeah, like a seat on the serious society, you can have that. Or you can run away with this guy that you've known for like a week, two weeks. And she chooses the guy. And I was like, the whole time you have this career focused, you know, woman, she wants to get on the society. They've been repressing her. That's an issue for her. Um, and then she doesn't take the seat. And I was like, guys, what? Yeah, it, it just falls into this like inescapable trope that so many like romances have of like the woman has to choose between her career or her her mm. romantic life, which is untrue. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's a myth. Like many women happily pursue both Um but it's the uh, kind of the catch 22 of the day, of our day. Back mm. then it was not ever a question. <laughs> no. um, but it's a representation of what I think the author sees as a struggle of women um, today. And I would, I would disagree. I would say that although there are social pressures in both ways, that a lot of women are happily pursuing both. So Mm-hmm. Um, I to answer your question, Cheryl, I would not recommend this book, unfortunately. Um, yeah. It was entertaining. It, uh, you know, it was entertaining. I did read it quite quickly, um, and there were some, you know, uh, entertaining parts. Uh, but overall, like, I would feel quite embarrassed to uh, seriously recommend this book to a friend. <laughs> yeah, I would recommend it to someone who doesn't like reading, because. I like I it feels very much as you said it feels very much like a summer holiday I'm on a beach I don't want something too taxing so I'm just gonna pick up this fun little quirky romance slash fantasy slash historical thing to read um so yeah I would definitely recommend it in terms of like to somebody who didn't love reading as a like pathway I suppose into better literature um but I wouldn't seriously recommend it to people I gave it three stars because it felt very much along the wavelength of um Rainbow Rowell's last book Anyway the Wind Blows it was that I read this I read that one a couple days ago and it same sort of um feeling for me in terms of it was okay I loved the concept could have been executed way better um but yeah, so I, the comedy wasn't everything, but it was the best part of it. So that's why I'm emphasizing it because it was probably the one of the things that I actually did enjoy about the novel. But uh, yes, not really on the top recommendation list. Is there a romance book you would recommend? Like I mentioned before, Dash and Lily kind of has this like wholesome, I know it's YA, but it's like this wholesome kind of PG romance that slowly evolves over three books. And even if you just read the first one, it's also very nice in that it's like set in Christmas time, which you probably maybe know as well because it's been turned into a Netflix series, which I thought was quite a successful adaptation as well. But it has these like kind of cheerful elements to it that make it very like enjoyable, even though it is quite atypical. Like you can see the way the romance is going. It's quite plain, but it does play out nicely. And I do like that. Like if I had to give someone a romance to read and they'd never read a romance before, that would probably be the direction I went in. Is there anything you guys would recommend? Yeah, um, I, I have two, I suppose, depending on what you like. Um, one, 
uh, red, white, red, white and royal blue um, is such a cute novel, um, relatively uh, smart free, I suppose. Um, and it, it was it t- touches on some um, issues, but it does it well. And I liked it. Um, so that one was cute for me. And then complete opposite end of the spectrum, Neon Gods. Um, it is a Hades and Persephone retelling. Um, extremely uh, smutty. Uh, but I really enjoyed it. Um, and that one was a well-executed sort of enemies slash like I fear you sort of thing to lovers. Um, it was, it used some tropes, but it didn't fall into formulaic sort of writing so I enjoyed that one um so yeah those would probably be my two romances but again I read a lot of fantasy that have romance in them I don't actively pursue romance um yeah as I mentioned before if you're looking for like this book but a bit better (laughs) in my opinion um there's a series called A League of Extraordinary Women by Evie Dunmore. The first book is called Bringing Down the Duke. The se- and it follows a group of four friends. So each book is about a different friend and their romance. Um, so they're all slightly different flavours. So if you don't really vibe with one, you can try the other. Um, they're pretty spicy as well, but like in a more evenly paced way than this one. Um, and they do kind of deal with some of the same themes of like, um, you know, like women living and um, the real kind of realistic um, choices that they had to make. Um, and then I think like for more contemporary romance, I've enjoyed um, books by an author called Mariana Zapata. Um, and she's, she, I think, kind of like focuses on like sports romances. And I'm not like a sporty person, but um, they're actually quite good. Um, and yeah, I think, uh, there are quite a lot of, yeah, as, um, Alexa said, quite a lot of good, uh, like fantasy YA with strong romance tropes. Um, uh, but I think there's a lot of new releases. Oh, my favorite, my favorite romance, sorry. It's called the kiss quotient. Um, I love that book. It was so good. And I think the author, Helen Huang, I think, is releasing uh, the third book this month. Yeah, it's called um, The Heart Principle, I think. Uh, But yeah, those are my recommendations. Yeah, so basically in sum, um, don't read The Wisteria Society unless you want to be disappointed or you have absolutely nothing else to read. we've given you lots of other recommendations probably that's a better place to go but yeah I guess this one was a bit of a miss um very hyped up and not really living up to expectations but I guess that's the way it goes sometimes anyway um before we wrap up what is on everyone's shelves what is everyone reading right now okay um yeah, well, I am currently reading two books, well, more, but two currently. Um, so I started uh, Empire of the Vampire, which is Jay Kristoff's new novel. Um, it isn't as uh, as good as I hoped it would be. Um, I am only partway through, 
Um, but it's written as a conversation, which is technically impressive, but is slightly difficult writing to trudge through. Um, but I am also reading Blue Lily Lily Blue. It's a reread of The Raven Cycle, uh, one of my favorite YA slash new adult um, series of all time. Um, and yeah, it's just um, lovely, great romance in that one too, if you were looking. But it's like magical realism, contemporary sort of novel, and it's amazing. What about you, Belle? Yes, as I kind of mentioned slightly, I'm reading a high fantasy novel at the moment called The Magic Ship by Robin Hobb. It's part of um, a, quite a large series like if you've ever been to like a major bookstore and you go into the fantasy section you will have seen it <laughs> they are prolific <laughs> and I never realized but the author is actually a woman I like always assumed by the, uh, by the name that it was a man um, I don't know why that influenced me to to read <laughs> no I I've been wanting to read for a while um, so it's I'm reading that. It's pretty good. The world building is really good. Um, and I'm also just finished up Sense and Sensibility by Jane Austen, um, which was a little bit disappointing for me. Like I did enjoy it, not as much as her other books, but I know that it kind of has a big cult following and it's kind of considered as one of her most like um, technically proficient works. Um, it was just also a lot less entertaining than Northanger Abbey <laughs> to me. Anyway, uh, that's what I'm reading. Are you typically an Austen fan? I am a recent Austen fan. I used to really despise um, her books and kind of thought that they were really inaccessible. Um, but I read the first Austen book I read was Emma, which I think is a really good place to start. And then I read Northanger Abbey, Mansfield Park, and just read Sense and Sensibility and then I've got Pride and Prejudice left um, which is ironically I think where most people start um, but I'm finishing up there. It's interesting that you said Emma was a good place to start because I started with Emma too and I absolutely despised it. Oh no! <laughs> I think I've mentioned this in like previous podcast episodes before but it's the one that really gets me about Austin because you build up this strong character and then they leave it to like one chapter at the end to transform mm. everything and be like and let's fall into the typical like good girl who gets married and does what she's supposed to and you're just like mm. why? Why did it go there? Like it had yeah. to but why did it have to be so abrupt and I think that's the one that put me off classics because I kind mm. of struggled for two years to get through it and by contrast when I read Pride and Prejudice after which I think you probably know the plot but I'll aim not to spoil it like I did think mm. it was better because you had more characters to play on and their siblings and you know it just expands a little bit more with interest there but mm. I mean, yeah like it not, I'm not typically an Austin fan anyway so yeah. <laughs> I'm biased Without going too much into it, I think that, you know, as I kind of mentioned in the last episode, it's about kind of the literacy that you have with the form of classics that you're reading. And it's very typical of books of that era and Jane Austen in particular for there to be the quick, very quick tie up at the end. Um, so the, you know, like from the outset, you kind of know that there will be a marriage at the end. Uh, the main heroine will be married. There's no question about that. It's just about how she gets there. And I think that Austen's main thing is about like kind of 
not necessarily like playing into the gender dynamics, but kind of like treating characters as characters and then pushing them in ways that their personality wouldn't naturally have gone. So for example, Emma, if she had had her way, would have stayed with her father for her entire life. And she would have been the queen bee of her village and she would have continued to matchmake and kind of like essentially like bully um, other people if it weren't for, you know, the other characters that came into her life and kind of pushed her to be different. And I think that's Jane Austen's whole shtick is like, she is about challenging characters. So that's why I do enjoy her. But your complaints, I, I, I do acknowledge. <laughs> I mean, by contrast, I mean, I did really like Little Women um, by Louisa May Alcott, which is also kind of pushing Joe into that marriage trap, but it kind of felt more acceptable in some way because she had sisters who were also married and the way it worked out just, it made sense more so to me than it does in Austen's work. I don't know, it might be based on the style of writing as well. Um, Austen's not something I'm a fan of, but Anyway, on the flip side, what I'm reading now is totally opposite. It's um, futuristic sci-fi. I've just started just this morning, actually, Project Hail Mary by Andy Weir. Um, and I think it's really, really gripping. I'm about four chapters in just in one morning, and it's really easy to see how it's going to play out as a movie. It's basically this concept of a guy wakes up and he's the lone survivor on an airplane. Oh, sorry, not on an airplane. He's the lone survivor on a spaceship quite important to get that one right and um he's actually not even in the solar system that we have here he's somewhere out in the middle of space but he has amnesia and he can't even remember his own name and now he's got to like figure out what he's, his mission is because he's the only person for light years around so that's pretty interesting I would say it's like maybe a little bit harder to understand than the martian which was really wildly popular I can definitely really feel the distance between me and high school science. Um, whereas in The Martian, I kind of felt smart reading it because the way it was um, kind of, I guess, laid out was very easy to understand while still engaging. This does take maybe a chapter to get into so far. I reserve final judgment since I am only four chapters in. But um, yeah, it does seem quite interesting as a sci-fi novel. I want to see how it plays out. I think that's really good. Um, Another thing I did recently finish that I really liked too was The Man in the High Castle by Philip K. Dick, which is from the 1960s. And it's like an alternate universe where the Nazis and the Japanese actually won the war and split up America. And the writing in that is really, really gripping. It is also a little bit of like this kind of, I wouldn't say sci-fi, but it is alternate reality element. And um, it is quite an interesting read as well. The only disappointing thing is that the book was... Um, quite open-ended and there never was a sequel because of the way it's written requires a lot of research. I believe that um, the writer, the author said that it was too depressing to continue on with that, which is totally understandable. Um, but yeah, it's quite an interesting read if you don't mind the fact that it is open-ended. There is also an Amazon series that wraps up kind of the storyline if it really bothers you that much, but it is quite good writing. So in opposition to Wisteria Society that we've discussed today, and maybe personally for me in opposition to Austen, these are two books that I would say are actually worth your while and quite interesting to read. 
Um, so anyway, if you want to join us on Facebook Live on the 1st of October, we will be doing another in-translation collaboration with Culture Cafe and Unsweetened, where we will be discussing the short story collection Malgudi Days by R.K. Narayan. And you can also tune in back here for our next episode, where we will be delving into climate fiction with the history of bees by Maya Lindo. And until next time, thank you for listening.